0: so it's seven meters out australia needs to try to win the game cobain takes the line out australia trying to drive ahead Regan again and larkham kiffu Welcome back and we're here with you for another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast. I've got Leo here with me. Unfortunately, we don't have Toby here, um, but it's for a good reason. He's somewhere between um, a plane bound for Darwin and quarantine as he makes his way back into Australia. He, He was just tired of not having enough super rugby to attend. He was sick of um, not having rugby on at reasonable hours to take up his Friday and Saturday nights um, over there in the UK. So he decided to come back over. Um, and I, I don't blame him after the weekend we saw of rugby. We had it all. We had um, upsets. We had um, last minute sort of winners. We had two areas of super time going on in New Zealand. We had hat-tricks off the bench in the top league. We had some blowout wins in Major League Rugby. It was it was all happening this weekend. Leo, I know you probably want to talk about your Reds, but can we start at least for a little while with what happened down at Amy Park on Friday night?
1: Of course we can. Uh, the lesser of the two games, but we knew that before either started. Um, a
0: classic arm wrestle, Sandra would say. A
1: classic arm wrestle. It was mentioned as or it was billed as a classic arm wrestle about halfway through the game. Uh, to which the other commentators on that particular panel had to disagree and say it's probably just an arm wrestle. It's not particularly classic. This was yeah. a grind. This game, uh, it was very frustrating. The, the Rebels came out and looked like the stronger team early, but were just had a lot of errors to give. Um, we saw some 2017 Wallabies-esque cutout pass work from Tamua, which was just a mess. Balls going over the sideline. I and mean, they passes. were going
0: straight to the fans in the front
1: row. Like, I mean, credit for involving the fans, but um, yeah, not not the way to rack up points. And and all they could really do is go back to the boot, and it proved not to be enough. The the force taking the win by a point, uh, thanks to a Tim Anstey try and and the conversion after uh, late in the game. It's uh, another sad loss for the Rebels, and uh, another example of them playing to their opposition and, and just not, not being con- a consistent 80-minute performing team. Um, just really couldn't finish their best attacking opportunities. I don't think anyone's living their best life down at the Rebels at the moment.
0: Yeah, well, it's a fairly uninspiring sort of return to Melbourne, these, these couple of games which, um, I mean, we had high aspirations for them versus the Reds and then versus the Force. We thought they'd probably get the job done. I mean, you've got to say it's good for the Force. It's giving you another sort of um, storyline as the Force now win themselves an ability to make the superfinals now. They're one point behind the Rebels and while they do have a poorer points differential, um, there's every chance for them to now make the finals.
1: That's right. And, and they've won a game in Melbourne and have won a game in Sydney this year. Um you know, they would not have been, I suppose, the 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 games they would have been expected to to fancy. So, uh, and they've still got this week against the Waratahs in Perth. So, I think we talked about it, maybe the second or third weekend. That the Force would have been targeting, I think, at least two wins with idea, You know, the stretch target of three or four to say we're you know we're really developing and we're competing, knowing they can't really. Compete with the juggernauts and comp, but definitely wanting to test and beat the the minnows in the Rebels and the Waratahs, and now they've done that in those two teams' home grounds. So um, credit to them that they had. Um, again, it wasn't it wasn't a brilliant game, but there were some standout players. We um, already mentioned Tim Anstey there at the end, coming off the bench um, fairly early in the second half, really, and and showing his skills again, getting involved. Unfortunately, also being the perpetrator who's going to put Hodge on the sidelines for for 10 weeks with a a bad knee. Um, We also saw uh, like an excellent game from, I thought, from Lewis Holland playing at 12. I think he's a a clear choice to go in at number 10 if Matt Tamu is no good uh, this week with a concussion. Um, The passing from that man as as a sevens guru was phenomenal. And all these sevens guys just hold their own on the field no matter what they're doing.
0: that's it, and you're mentioning too right there with Anstey and Holland and Jarrell Skelton's on the bench there. We haven't quite seen um, him shine yet, but obviously he's only getting sort of limited opportunities off the bench so far, so there's every chance we will see a bit more of him. And we saw Lockie Anderson for the Rebels have some good games earlier in the season as well. You're right, Hodge, out with an MCL injury, out to miss the rest of Super Rugby, out to miss the Trans Tasman comp. Tamua got concussed, had a bit of a run-in with um, Godwins who made his return in this game's face and did not know he was in Melbourne for quite a few minutes there. It, it definitely looked like... Interesting to actually hear a bit of the on-field sort of players. I think, was it Jack McGregor who was actually calling in and yelling at his players? He's like, we need to attack where tomorrow is he? So, Absolutely. obviously, he, he was... recognised it earlier than anyone else um, that that man wasn't wasn't in the same postcode.
1: Yeah, Tamua looked shaken. He, he looked groggy, um, and he just floated out onto the right wing. and McGregor was opposite him, and he was calling to the ruck base, saying, "This side, this side, run it, Tamua, run it to it." I don't think it actually ended up happening. I don't think they actually got anyone running directly at him. But I mean, it's brutal, right? But of course, like if 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 the player is well, going mean- to get up on his feet and try and keep playing, bring it on. Like that's you know, send send your biggest trucks down at him and test him because. He's he's trying to put up a. He's, he's basically trying to look like he's he's okay to keep going. Um, there's an easy advantage you could take there.
0: Mm. And I mean, yeah, maybe it's not in the best spirit, but in the same extent, um, if you're facing a New Zealand team, whether it's a whether it's any other sort of injury, and in the players got up to try and keep going, you need to look for those points of weakness, I guess, um, and use those advantages, which um, the Force are obviously looking to do. Hodges out we've said, Dane Hale at Petty, the first time we've actually heard anything about what's going on with him this season. Um, So he's been out ever since the end of last year with issues with concussion and he's finally been cleared to go back to contact worker training. I mean, as someone in the medical profession, I feel like if you're out for this many months with symptoms of concussion, whether you should be returning to um, playing full contact rugby I'm not sure that's the smartest move in terms of a health sort of context. But do you think this is this is what the Rebels need to have this sort of veteran coming back onto the team? Do you think it's going to help?
1: I don't think it can hurt. I, like, I, I really hope he's 100% fit and past whatever he was troubled by because um, you, you don't want to see someone go back into the fray when they're not 100% and they're... At, I mean, I suppose everyone's at risk of concussion, but he might be more at risk of extended uh, symptoms and and you know issues down the track mm. after this particular uh, event um, I mean the timing couldn't be better really for the rebels that they, they need some senior players in that back line that they, they're starting to see guys like Holland play well I think illy had another reasonable game uh, he's Frank still he's not...
0: still looking pretty strong
1: yeah Frank Lamania I suppose people have got a bit more uh, awareness of him now so he didn't quite break out like he did. Previous week, but um, Look, you put A wallaby um, Fullback back in the lineup and you get rid of Well, I suppose it was Hodge this week, but It's been Pincus um, That's only a, ever con- In my mind considered a trade-up um, I think Haylet Petty Again, not not to doubt That he had genuine issues, but he's probably Preserved his reputation Somewhat by not being involved in In the matches so far for the Rebels um, if he can come through these next couple of games and, and play well and stay fit, he's going to look like one of those senior guys that Rennie might want in his Wallaby squad, especially if Hodge has ongoing issues. Like I, Personally, I wouldn't feel the need to go there, but he's got the opportunity. He certainly um, could break in still because he hasn't got six matches of failure tarred against his name.
0: Yeah, potentially. I mean, yeah, for me... I- yeah, I don't know. Like when I think about Haler Petty, I think someone who's entered the twilight of his career and I'm not sure. I'd be excited to see him in a Wallabies jersey um, going forward. I think there's better options. Um, if he's just someone to be as a bit of a mentor around the group, I can understand that. But yeah, anything more than that, I'd, I would have have question marks over the ability. We should have his brother though, Ross Hayler Petty, back available for the Rebels who, I mean, they put Rob Leota. Um, In the row this week And I think their scrum actually suffered a little bit From what has been quite a dominant Sort of set piece Didn't quite look the same um, In this game against a fourth pack
1: Yeah you can see the difference Guys aren't packing in square And um, you know They're not not pushing in the right areas In the front row And then when the scrum comes under pressure uh, The second row can splinter And there was a couple of instances in this game And the Reds game where penalties were going you know, it's hard to tell why a team was penalised, but when you see the front row pressure coming on, people are angling this way and that, and then suddenly the second row splits in half and one guy swings his butt out to the flank. Like, it's pretty obvious which scrum has faulted. and I think Leota may have suffered a bit, um, you know, being penalised for that sort of um, structure in the scrum. I think his round-the-field game was all right, but probably only equivalent to when he's come on off the bench anyway so um, yeah it's another so, guy who's a fringe starter for me.
0: Yeah and he's a guy that we all sort of had high wraps on when he was first coming in and people were touting him potential um, as an international player but he just qu- hasn't quite um, evolved into what you'd hope to see I think with the guy with obviously his raw set of skills being quite high.
1: Yeah and there's a few guys like that probably Valentini used to be seen a bit like that and you see where the the fork in the road lies with a strong team that doesn't have, well, you know, has strong competition, but once the guys getting the the first 15 selection sort of embed their role, it's only up and up, right? They get better. Whereas the rebels have had too many back rowers, much like they had too many centers and they just keep revolving them around. No one becomes that consistent and the team isn't having success either. So not a, not a great spot to, Try and develop your your professional career at the moment.
0: Moving on, you mentioned Valentini and the Brumbies Reds. Man, they set up another cracker on Saturday night. I could watch these two go out at it sort of every weekend. Um, and again, another close one. It was what that sixteen to fifteen down in Melbourne, and then and then the Reds come out and show a lot of composure. Again, it was one of these sort of thoughtfully constructed games with the Brumbies having a lot of pressure early on, a lot of attack getting some early points, but the Reds hold on, they come back and it ends up being 24 to 22. The Reds take it two from two against the Brumbies and they secure themselves a home Super uh, Rugby AU final.
1: And, and credit to the Brumbies, because I think in both these matches where they have eventually gone down, they've played really well. And I don't think their storyline, their narrative is tarnished by these losses particularly because they've been such good games and it really just has been a great story that the Reds are now on the same level, competing at home and away with the top team. It just like it just makes me feel like now that you know you've got last year's series got it's gone to the Brumbies. The Reds have two from two this year. When these teams meet in the final back in Queensland, the pressure is going to be on both teams because the Rebels need to win. Sorry, the Reds need to win the the final like they lost last year. But the Brumbies have to do it again, go back to back and away from home. Mm. And and I mean again, assuming that those are the two teams in the final if the Brumbies make it through, I don't think that's a unfair assumption. Yeah, um, it'd be
0: and very the, disappointing not to see. You, you'd hope to you'd get oh, to see a third third round of these two together.
1: Well, look, I mean, if it's not the Brumbies and it's someone else, then credit to them because they've beaten a good team and maybe they can beat the Reds. But I think that's pretty unlikely. Um, Queensland is coming out for the game twenty thousand fans at Suncorp. That's that's got to be. Um, a, a like a highest attendance in a Super Rugby Australian game in a while. Like mm-hmm. I, I can't remember. I don't think even Canberra. I think they tend to go sort of fifteen on a good game yeah. down there. So twenty thousand. That's excellent. That's a sign that the the force is strong with the Reds and their and their fans are turning out to watch it. Um, the Brumbies looked really good in this game. They. They were really strong in defence. They were holding the Reds back. The were, Reds weren't getting across the game line, and it on most teams it would take a toil. And I think you know twenty to twenty five minutes in they would have cracked. And had they not been as mentally strong, conceded some points, and maybe that would have been just the start of the demise. But the Reds proving again that they're just really resilient. Uh, they stick to their plan. They stick to their um, uh, tactics for the game and. Just yeah Push back on the Brumbies Push push back in their own defensive efforts 12 um, nil down In this game Much like in Canberra where they were 17 nil down At one point And yeah it's just just Really impressive the way that the senior guys Like O'Connor uh, Particularly uh, you know he's thrown in as captain This year and in these games he's leading Them around he's making good decisions he's taking Some points from kicks Um you know, setting up the back line for some razzle dazzle as well. Like what's not to like. This is this is the this is the what? best super rugby in Australia we've seen in ages.
0: And especially the fact like I don't did you end up tipping the Reds in this?
1: Yes. And we See? someone else switched because there was no notice that I switched because
0: yeah. and we haven't mentioned this, but Hunter Barsami, late injury, calf injury, held out they then moved Josh Fluke into thirteen which we initially thought was curious for the fact that you have Patea, who had been playing 13 earlier in the season, and you have Dalgunu on the bench. But you move Luke, who played one game last year, got reasonably injured, um, who's not a huge body, and you're now putting Hamish Stewart and Josh Fluke up against Simone and Ikitao And obviously there's just a belief in these guys that can come up and they can do the job. And obviously Brad Thorne had the belief in what Fluke could do because there was no sort of aspect where they were getting just turned around and run over by the Brumby's sort of bigger um, centres. And then Fluke proves his worth as well by by scoring um, the Reds' first try in this game as well, um, brushing off a couple of defenders, getting under um, Muirhead sort of tackle to, to scramble for that sort of left um, corner and get the ball down.
1: Yeah, and... I guess you put that down to a couple of things, like preparation for the game. Patea would have prepared to play on the wing. Some of the set piece would have been, um, you know, for him to to do his work out on the wing, as he did, taking that excellent uh, catch, um, which I'll, I'll go back to. But to not disturb that, to not panic and go, oh, well, we have no other strong options. We've got to we've got to go back to something that's known and and tried and tested to a degree. Um, and yeah to put fluking it's, it's the next man up mentality you you're good enough you would have been training as the backup um, you know potentially the guy coming off the bench to replace a center and they put him in and he and he does the job and they didn't have the you know the excitement that Paisami's been bringing this season with you know some deft grubber kicks and some absolutely bone crunching tackles and um, some of the line breaks but Hamish Stewart is a really strong defensive twelve. He's got some ball playing skills. He distributes well. Doesn't try and overplay his hand. Fluke had the same sort of mentality, and that try that he scored, he was he was involved in the initial break. Mm. He supported that. He cleared out the next phase. Took the ball up and went down. And he he and. Um, I think it was he and Jock Campbell. Jock Campbell
0: gave him the final pass.
1: Yeah, quickly scrambled back out. So they yeah. got out of the ruck where they were on the ground. They scooted out back into position on the wing and they're involved in the third phase, which was the try scoring phase. So, you know, it's effort. It's it's just, um, it's it's almost that autonomous behaviour like that you know that you need to get back in position. There's, they're not having to think, what do I do next? It's just automatic. And they're putting themselves in the right position to have the numbers to score the points. And that's that's that, you know, body recycling that some teams, whether it's just laziness or a bit of, you know, you get up, you brush yourself off, you think, okay, what's happening. You don't just default into a position mm. and let the team, like you know, let the attack flow on. These guys are all just doing it now, the Reds, and it really shows.
0: Well, it's, and it's, I hesitate to use the term, but it's Crusaders-esque in the fact that you can put, different players into these sort of positions and have them um, succeed because they understand the roles set out for them and they're really clearly defined. And most people would not have heard of Josh Fluke before the weekend, but now everyone knows and we're like, oh, that's that guy that had a really good game on the weekend.
1: Yeah, absolutely right. And I think you get that because the tactics and, and the system is built around the strength of the system fundamentally, not... Yep. Built on players with specific Skill sets where if you lose one of those Players suddenly The structure falls apart
0: Absolutely, you mentioned Jordan Patea before Talk to me about what you thought of his game Obviously on the wing again
1: Yeah look, he's he's improving um, He's Thrown fewer Loose passes that weren't Required, he was able to Carry the ball and, and recycle keep the phases going and watching the way he set himself up to take the kick that he scored the try. He, I don't know if it was a, a planned thing or if it's just his sort of natural approach to it. I, I haven't really noticed someone doing it before. He ran off the line to the ball out to the sideline so that he basically outflanked anyone who was going to try and shepherd his line to take the catch. So mm-hmm. he got around the brumbies who were kind of forming up a bit of a wall came in laterally from the sideline so and put it like straight on the ball, like
0: run up to it. Yeah,
1: that's right. You know, untouched, and and he had time to do that because the kick was high enough and was you know it was set up for him. Which makes me wonder if it's a if it's something they talked about. You know, you put a kick up, you start in that back line, They're going to form up. You're going to have trouble getting the ball. Put the kick higher. Go around them. And, he, and he, honestly, I don't think any of the Brumbies realized he was out there because no one moved to cut him off. And that's what they're always looking for and always doing. So he came from this side angle that no one anticipated, took a really clean catch and just just turned and pivoted, fell over the line. Mm. Oh, it looked amazing. Like that's, that's it's just the difference with like tweaking the kick. Now it's a bit higher. Now you've got more time to move past, you know, almost past the ball and come back at it. It was move past the player's, obstructing you and come in on an angle which gives you clean access like so whether that was intuition or planned like it, it just looked really really good and obviously it was very effective
0: mm. and another thing i like seeing and this i'm not 100 sure on what these stats are telling me but in terms of the set pieces of these teams as well we had reds 17 line outs one zero lost six scrums one zero lost Brumbies eight line outs, one, zero lost, two scrums, one, zero lost. Like no, their set piece is such a stable base for both of these teams to come off and attack against that. Um, they're not, you're not getting to a position where you're excited to see what they're going to do off this scrum 22 meters out or something. And then you're disappointed where it's a fumble or a turnover or a loss um, of the line arrow or loss of the scrum. Like, it comes from that really solid sort of set um, and that base that these forwards are giving these guys. And I mean, we can talk about some of the efforts again of like of the players in terms of like some of the locks, like I think Ryan Smith and Luke Kahn are playing really well for the Reds um, together. And they're very much a mirror image. Then of Darcy Swain who probably had one of his best games for the Brumbies and Caden Neville, who's seemingly goes from strength to strength at the moment and, has to be your number one, I think, selection in the in the row at the moment for the Wallabies. I really don't see anyone that's performing physically um to an extent the same as him and in terms of defensively um on the field or in lineouts and malls. Like I
1: think mm, he's, just, malls particularly.
0: he's just a player that you need to you need to um have on your team at the moment. I think he's such a weapon.
1: Yeah and if the only knock on him is age will Pretend you don't know the age of any of these guys, and just look at the performances. That's all you need to know. Age is just a number, and and he's out there proving it. Uh, Tamani for the Force is all that also out there proving yep. it. So <clears throat> it's good. It's you know it's an area which a, a year or two ago we were really you know worried that lock stocks were few and far between, and we're in trouble. And and now it's looking like we've got a few really strong options and a variety of styles. Mm. Um, and going back to what you said before that. These these forward packs. It's the maturity of these groups. They've now been playing together for multiple seasons. They're developing those understandings and the little um, kind of bits of finesse in lineouts and malls and it's all just coalescing into a really strong group performance. And it's showing that it's very difficult to defend them. No one's stealing their ball. No one's pushing them off their ball. Um, you know, they're both holding their own. That just means they know exactly what they're about, and they can pretty much hold off. Any any threat um, and, and for the Reds as well Like I guess it was a stat That was discussed after the game in, in sort of the wash up with the commentary group This is a 10 win Streak at home For the Reds And that's only uh, Exceeded By the 2010 Team that won Super Rugby Which is an 11 Win streak So if you want to try and measure how well the Reds are playing at the moment and, um, you know, how far we think they can go, like they're basically up there with the team that won the Super Rugby title against all comers, Australia and New Zealand and South African. So that's a pretty good sign, right? This this is a really historically good team at the moment for the Reds. And um, between that and and you look at the success that Brad Thorn's had, yeah. Um, Four seasons running The Reds are a 38% win team A 38% win team A 50% win team And now they're a 100% win team And that's giving the coaching staff And the management time To grow this group And develop them properly And that's saying Which I think it's almost criminal That the Waratahs never allow their coach to do Like they probably gave Gibson The best opportunity And he was just the wrong guy And they let him go too long And now they've dumped Penny A season and a half in A season and a half in To that Reds uh, timeline They'd still be a 38% win team mm. And look at what you've given up So I think that's evidence that when you, when you Have got the right group there's, you know, there's more time You need to give them more time and have faith that they'll get there um, As long as there's continued improvement Then the light at the end of the tunnel Is, is bright
0: I still think that the Waratahs just got the narrative Of what they were doing wrong they didn't. They didn't build up the narrative of what this is going to be. They were. They needed to downplay the aspects of what success in 2021 meant, and it wasn't. It wasn't coming. Getting into the Super Rugby finals or anything like that. It was. Look, we're going to build experience and we're going to build on this young talent pool we've got. And maybe, I don't know. Maybe the marketing people at um, New South Wales Rugby got it wrong. Maybe it was partly Penny not. Um, I don't know, managing expectations. But I think you're right. I think it is a shame that he only got that sort of um, temporary sort of ability to try and manage his team into something um, marketable. Let's move on. Let's go to Super Rugby Aotearoa. And we had, as I said, two games of super time, um, extra time in this, which different to Australia. It's not a super try. You didn't have to score a try to win, it was just a, any points, golden point. First off on Saturday night, the Highlanders and the Chiefs, and this went a little bit the way that we thought it would a big grind back and forth, some absolutely terrible kicking displays um, on both sides from Damien McKenzie and uh, Mitch Hunt, um, but resulted in a tough forward battle that ended at 23 all with 80 minutes to go. And then Damien McKenzie slots a uh, 45 sort of metre out um, on the angle from a scrum penalty the Chiefs win at 26 to 23 to put three on the trot unbeaten chiefs that that losing streak is fading by the second
1: yeah really good for the chiefs i i guess I, we talked about the highlanders likely having a tough time bringing out another stellar performance after beating the crusaders at home um i suppose they, they did quite well you know that this chiefs team was was playing well and they held them out and they and they kept pace with them but um yeah the the, just the powers of someone like Damien McKenzie, just such an elite player, tends to shine through, and was involved all over the park in this game. Uh, yeah, kicking wasn't wasn't brilliant, but they got there in the end. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess for mine, this this because it was a grind. I think the the typical players stood out for the moments that they broke out of that just the humdrum grind, and guys like Shannon Frizzell were were quite solid for the for the uh, wow. Highlanders. Um, breaking the line, and yeah, just, yeah, Mitch Hunt. I still don't know if he's really ten. I, I still think um, Joshuaani needs to have a bigger role in this team, but I guess he's still on the outer a bit after recent recent issues. Recent events, yeah,
0: I mean, he came on and immediately had a pretty good impact. I think I think the Highlanders are suffering a little bit with what the Rebels um, previously did, and they just don't have a set backline, and they keep changing people around, and they seem to. They lose a little bit of the combinations. Like Scott Gregory was on the wing last week, then he gets moved to twelve this week. Um, he played quite well on the wing, and then he's sort of in twelve. And I just don't,
1: I don't think hot that's, and cold. Yeah, he was like, hot and cold. He had some fun. good moments.
0: Like I think the people that have maintained sort of consistency in their positions, people like Conor Garden, Bashup's been good. Like um, Jonah Narecki on the wings, been good. I think Mitch Hunt is playing well at ten. Um but I just yeah, I don't quite see the consistency, which I guess is a product not only of the group, um, but of the shuffle as well. Um
1: some of which is unexpected, as we had the pre- the was it the previous week against the Crusaders, yeah, like you absolutely. Know.
0: Yeah, which that that doesn't help. Um I have to take my hat off to um their veteran Locke Bryn Evans, former all black from many years ago. Um, still playing, I think he's 36 or 37. Um, and he's playing just as hard as ever. Put in the full 85 minutes in this game. And he, he just looks like a force um, Anyway, you sort of match it. So I, I love seeing that. Um, Parry, Parry, Parkinson looks like he got an injury in this game. Once again, it's a guy that has immense sort of promise, comes back, another injury. And it's sort of a little bit disappointing, I think, for any fans of the team because... It's a really familiar story with this guy. And then on Sunday afternoon, love a bit of Sunday afternoon footy, the Hurricanes and the Crusaders. I thought this was going to be a massive blowout with the Crusaders, um, obviously losing that one last week and coming back with a vengeance. But again, it was 27 all at half time. Both teams marred with a few injuries in this game. Um, and then I think the Crusaders finally decided to, uh, I guess we're going to have to switch on and do... Do our thing in um, extra time, uh, starting from, or probably starting from 60 minutes where they, they got that Severese sort of try. Um, Richie really started taking control of this game and then probably unexpectedly Havili um, ends, ends up being the man um, to take the final drop goal. Um, but it very much looked like the Crusaders were in control as soon as extra time started in this.
1: Yeah, they, they did just look absolutely clinical at that point. And they hadn't quite looked that clinical throughout this game. I think the the Hurricanes definitely surprised them a bit. Part of which I'd I'd put down in in brief moments to their their ten, uh, Ruben Love, who when I because I, I didn't actually realise who was playing at ten coming into this game, but I noticed him on the field immediately, and in moments he he looked quite slick, looked like he was you know a, a really good fit for that team. Um, Distributing the ball out nicely Um, But yeah, at other times I also noticed they're still using Geordie a lot at first receiver And they probably crowded each other out a bit So a few um, growing pains Maybe between those two In the back line that stunted them a little bit Ruben Love got a bit lost um, Amongst the forwards In the sort of inner inner backs um, A few times When Geordie just kind of stepped into that pocket Where the 10 usually lives and, And took control not you know not necessarily to to poor effect I guess but it just meant that they basically eliminated one of their own playmakers so um, really interested to see how that continues to develop but he looks like a really good option and if they can get that sort of strong nine ten uh, combination forming then we know how much firepower they have out the back and you've still got Geordie kicking all the all these points and popping up all over the place I think that's really good signs for the Hurricanes so. Um, yeah growing pains but a difficult loss for them they I, I would have really liked to get that one at home um, a lot of missed tackles in this game a lot of errors a lot of turnovers just just meant that it sort of no one really got going for an extended period mm-hmm. um, and and quite a lot of penalties for the Crusaders which which rolled them back down the field and and took away uh, some of their momentum as well so yeah um, Oh, they Obviously, they still know how to win games, especially close ones. And just the way they so – I think they might have even – did they defer the kickoff? I think they won that toss and deferred the kickoff. Mm. So that they knew the ball was going to be down the hurricane's end. And it was just 100% effort on turning the ball over. And then, yeah, like you said, set them up with a, with a couple of runs and maybe put someone like Avili who's got a good solid boot but might not have been tipped for, you know, getting the honors of the kicking. Um, slip him out the back and and try and catch them off guard, not not chasing down, and it was over within about I don't know seventy or eighty seconds or something. Like it was yeah, it was just it was barely over a minute, and and it was over, and the Hurricanes hadn't fired a shot. So um, yeah, I suppose not not the way you saw it going, twenty point margin there. Um, just just keeping it down to three, but um, yeah, I guess the the top of the top of the tree continues to roll home and away.
0: Totally agree with what you're saying about Ruben Love. But, yeah, as a 19-year-old as a sort of prospect coming in, I think it's really exciting that they they might have this guy to now build around for the next sort of five years, um, someone to join sort of Geordie. I mean, he is touted as his best position being fullback as well. Um, but if he can sort of improve and flourish as a number 10 there, pivot and learn to work in sort of um, collaboration with Geordie, as you say, like that's going to make for a really exciting sort of um, team, sort of building the future and a, a team that is now, I mean, they're the worst team in New Zealand as as their record shows, which mm. is something that doesn't, doesn't make sense if you say it out loud, but that's what the record shows. Um, I want to get your thoughts. I mentioned earlier Super Rugby AU has said that, Extra time has to be decided by a try. Do you think that's a better option? Do you not mind because you've already had 80 minutes of rugby by this stage? What's your uh, thoughts on, on just golden point versus golden try?
1: I suppose if, if you know it's, it's golden try and it's only 10 minutes extra time, um, it, it gives both teams a shot. It's very much in the vein of the American football. You know, if you get a, a dominant attacking um, raid and, and score a try or in that case, a touchdown, the game's over. But if you only manage to score some points, the other team gets a chance. I think, I think I'm happy with the golden point to be honest, because sometimes like the the play really breaks down when teams feel like they have to score a try, it gets a bit loose and scrappy whereas i think teams if they know that any points win the game that they can be as clinical as the crusaders um and and control the game even you know having not started with the possession so i think i'm probably more fan of, of golden point because golden Triad, i would just yeah I, I i wouldn't trust teams not to just start chucking the ball around and get a bit uh, frantic and and I don't think that's as good a spectacle late in the game when people are tired and more errors are likely to be made I think that's fair enough
0: um, yeah, again I think if it's a good enough game you don't need to then incite sort of more excitement for those final 10 minutes it's already going to sort of have, have me on the edge of my seat at least um, the other thing I mentioned was injuries in this game and um, Artie Sevilla played through a mountain of pain, I reckon, with his um, me, which has now turned out to be an MCL. And they've said it will be at least six to eight weeks that he's out. Um, and then you had Josh Goodhue and Joe Moody going out on the Crusaders side. Um, I was sort of talking to this to you about this earlier, but do you think, I mean, Josh Goodhue was probably our first peak centre for the All Blacks. Um, and there really was just him... Uh, Rico Yuani and Anton Linet Brown. Do you think someone like David Havili gets a look in in that position before someone like Nani Lamapi if Josh Goodhue isn't available for the July internationals for the All Blacks?
1: Maybe not before Nani Lamapi, but I, I think he definitely has the opportunity now with Goodhue out. He's going to be the senior centre. Um, in the in the Crusaders, and he's playing the position well. We know that he wants to be a fullback. He's come out before the season and made the point that his preferred position is fullback, and that's where he wanted to be. But he, he's also fairly adaptable and has proven to be good to, at twelve for them. Um, I think he probably does just just on form. Doesn't help that the Hurricanes are floundering. Um, I think he probably does rank for me highly uh, and, and over Nani Lamapi. But I still think um, sort of an Anton Brown and Rico combination is probably probably still um, an All Blacks option ahead of putting in. But certainly, you know, you look at, again, how, how much utility value he has. He's a valuable asset off the bench. Um, so maybe that's something which they'll consider as well. Uh, as long as Rico sort of doesn't look too loose and um, inconsistent, I, I think he and ALB are probably a better combination. They certainly bring a, a lot of firepower as a pair.
0: What about losing Artie Sevilla for the Hurricanes? Do you think that that's going to have, for me, that seemed, I reckon that's going to have an even bigger sort of impact on them for the rest of this sort of, um, I mean, they only have two more games left in Super Rugby, Roa and it's versus the Chiefs and the Highlanders to try and eke out another sort of win here um, to get themselves off, potentially off the bottom of the table if they can. If the Highlanders are probably the closest thing they can get to.
1: They're another team that has some good back-rower stocks, but Artie Sevilla is just such a difference-making player. Even after his knee injury and in, I think the, between the first and second super strapping they gave him, he was folded in half in a ruck at a critical moment, taking the ball back on their line. Um, and the guy is just a warrior. And yeah, he might be the strongest, mentally strongest guy in New Zealand rugby. Like, he's just an absolute force. And you, 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 no, one, no one replaces Artie Sevilla, right? He's, he's not replaceable. So I think that will have a big uh, leadership impact, a big um, impact on the field you know the the breakout runs that he that he has generate a lot of offload and and you know open space attack the defensive and and counter from the from the pilfer like it's he just does a bit of everything he does it all really well so i absolutely think that's a that's a major hit for them um and i don't know that they have anyone who's particularly elite to step in but you know guys like karifi just need to sort of step up and and Mm. get get on ball more guys um Who's their number eight? They
0: have Reed Princept and Devon Flanders are the other two that seem to get there. by yeah. Fafida was on the bench. He was back um, as well as potentially number six uh, over a second row cover.
1: So they're all serviceable. I guess they just all need to lift as a group because Artie just did so much of it on his own and those guys were just in the in the wake following through and supporting. Now, now they need to all lift and, and play a bit more of a role. You're not going to get another guy playing that major impact as an individual, it's its going to have to be a team effort.
0: It makes me think that and Moa made his return off the bench in this one. And look pretty good. Potentially maybe that you need someone like him starting just for like the, the ball carrying sort of role um, that Artie has that you're going to lose. Like Dane Coles is not going to have that same sort of impact. He's going to be chilling out, out wide a little bit more. Um, I just don't, I feel like you you need someone else to take that load.
1: The hooker battle might be decided by the lineout throwing. To be honest, Dane Coles was rubbish on the weekend, mm. so um, yeah, Amua's looking like a really good prospect, really strong runner, pretty pretty good set piece skills. So yeah, I mean that that may be part of the balance that they need to adjust without Artie in the team. They do get a week
0: off next weekend. Um, and looking at the next week, we have the Highlanders again down at home hosting the Blues, um, who obviously are coming off their bye and probably need to um, get their skates on a little bit to stop the the Chiefs that are rapidly approaching them. Um, the Chiefs host the Crusaders, and I guess this is probably the most vulnerable the Crusaders have been, I reckon, in the last sort of two years for a Chiefs team that seemingly is putting together some solid performances as well. Um, What are you feeling sort of these, these two games, mate?
1: Again, the, the narrative just keeps developing really nicely here. So the Blues uh, had that loss uh, before their bye, which was the second loss for them and, and was a real, real shake shakeup um, they needed to bounce back they didn't and they had to go on by and now they face the Highlanders team who've who've gone down to the Chiefs at home don't like having their pride shaken at home um, and are you know again trying to stay off the bottom of the ladder so two two teams that are you know gonna need to be up for this fight um, it's hard to tip against the Highlanders twice. In a row at home, like I I feel like the Blues are the better team, but it's just really like the Highlanders are really reliable at home. I think it's it's probably going to be a similar script. I reckon the Blues scrape home by a handful of points, and it and it doesn't get too out of hand for either side. Unfortunately for the Highlanders, Um,
0: where can the Highlanders attack the Blues and have success against the Blues? Yeah,
1: that's just it. The last couple of weeks, obviously the Crusaders did it, and then the Chiefs did it, and They're just maybe maybe they're not quite as um not quite as strong as they have been across the park. Mm. Um, What what I expect is is the Blues will just across across the board stifle the Highlanders. You'll get the odd breakout, but um, I don't think they'll be able to really get on a roll. And I don't think the Blues have to be their best, but they do have to be better than they have been, and they need to get ahead and, and hold that lead. And, and just keep the Hollanders quiet, which in that stadium at home is always difficult.
0: And then is there any way you're tipping against the Crusaders, even though they're away from home and maybe looking a little bit slower? They're going to be without one of their most experienced props and Jack Goodhue and Michael Alatoa has just announced he's going off overseas next year to Leinster.
1: Again, tough because y- you, you don't give the Crusaders... Much concern when they lose a player here or there, but they've now lost a couple of important pieces. They're playing a team that's had three on the trot and has, you know, found that confidence again. Um, but yeah, I think I still tip the Crusaders. Yeah, the answer is no. You don't tip against the Crusaders. It's really least. hard though. Like this, this game, I think, will be close too. um Yeah, I think but, this is going to be g- a
0: real. I think this is probably the game of the weekend. Our yeah okay yeah. to be really good, but yeah, I don't think you can tip against the Crusaders again
1: the chiefs like the chiefs are are rising again, but if it's gonna stop chiefs anywhere, line. it's gonna stop with the with the crusaders um yeah, but three runs on the top shouldn't be should be sneezed at like that's that's really important that they've had that little run um the Crusaders are probably the the back to earth game, and then they'll want to finish the season strong and they'll be chasing the blues who. I guess I'll have a win out in front after this mm. round.
0: Um, going to Super Rugby AU and look, the Waratahs are heading over to Perth for the Force and the Waratahs now are in this position where they have something almost to play for in this season. They, they have the ability to have a bit of a say on who gets to that third place in the finals because they've got this game against the Force and then they're hosting the Melbourne Rebels in the final round. Um, and if they, if they grind out a win against one of these teams, it's going to severely hamper their ability to make finals. So a little bit to see, and this is obviously a force team that are still having, they still don't quite know what their best lineup in. Is there any, is there, first off, is there any changes you'd like to see um, from that force team um, that we saw on the weekend?
1: I do want to see Cabelli. Removed from nine I think Pariah deserves to be starting um, I don't know if, I don't think you say Miotti is um,
0: I'd like to only... give Miotti a bit more
1: Yeah, yeah, no I think Miotti stays and I, and I don't think it's fair to say like That that maybe he had more success Because of some combination with Cabelli I don't think that's a factor So I'm, I'm comfortable removing Cabelli I, I, I haven't liked his decision making Some of the series of play when the force were on attack, his decisions on which side um, he he looked to pass the ball and and where he went when they didn't have numbers down the blind side, and it it just looked really amateur. So um, I, I don't like the decisions he's making. I think Pryor generally makes very good decisions, and his service looked really good when he came on. So that's that's probably the key change I'd make. Otherwise, I think the force are settling in and they shouldn't look to make too many changes i think they should be happy with where they're at um they need to lock this one up at the fortress and not let the waratahs be spoilers and i guess like you said that the waratahs are here to um you know ruin the party for one of these two teams if they can and also i suppose play for a bit of individual pride because you know you're going to have a new coach coming in and what game tape are they going to be looking at well the more recent, the more likely. So having some big individual performances here uh, certainly does each player a lot of good with whatever new administration's coming in to run the team.
0: It is funny flipping back through sort of past games between these two and like the last time they played at HBF Park, it was back in 2017, I believe. Um, and the force sort of monstered them. This just before they got kicked out of super rugby um, but 140 to 11 and you look at this TARS team and that the only remnants of um, people is Jack Dempsey and Jake Gordon are the only survivors um, that are still on this Waratahs team so I think I think it's another challenge for these Waratahs guys to go over to Perth a very different environment for a lot of these guys that aren't used to a huge amount of travel yet in Super Rugby. Obviously, they're playing Super Rugby AU, but it's all East Coast and this is their first sort of semblance of a bigger sort of travel week, um, which will, they'll get a little bit more when they head over to New Zealand. Look, I think I think it's a success if we see some of the same things that we saw um, two weeks ago with the Tars. Do you think they can win? I think they could probably Beat a force team if they're not on their game. This force team has had a lot of up and downs. On their best day, they could smash this Tars team, but if they bring a performance like I don't know what they did versus the Rebels when they played in Perth, um, I feel like it could be a, a difficult game for them to actually get some ascendancy. And ideally, they'd be targeting a, a run up a score and get a bonus point in this game. But I just don't, I don't see that happening
1: yeah the the force the force need to have one of their strong games um they they have looked inconsistent at times and and yeah some of those games the starts they've made have been very poor uh, i suppose they're they're mixing if these new players in so they've got um Olofella on the wing who looked
0: i like him I think yeah I like him.
1: yeah he looked like he was really trying to create things and just maybe didn't quite get the right set of circumstances and the right amount of space to really break out but he he looked solid and he looked um, he looked elusive. So I want to see a bit more of him. Got Godwin coming back in, um, yeah. and and McGregor at the back. I don't think has been too far behind where Carney was, um, which is good. So yeah, I think there's I think there's a version of things where the force um, just keep a handle on it and beat the Waratahs. But there's definitely a path for the Waratahs with these young guys. No one's going to have a whole lot of tape on a lot of them. Um, they're they're stepping up to the plate, particularly those couple of locks we've already talked about in previous pods. Um, and if they've got the Faketti Parisi combination going, and Jake there setting them up, yeah, you know that's that's a that's a really good backline under the dust, under the poor form in there somewhere. So there's absolutely a version of things where Waratahs come out and Jake Gordon, Will Harrison, Faketti, Parisi, Maddox ram and use them just light it up 100 percent. so uh don't
0: don't give me that you have to see the lineups first are you gonna tip
1: them? If, if it's that back line i reckon i reckon i probably could but it'd be very very close it be, i'd be i'd be doing my hedge bet tip where you very tip hedge. them by two and and try and mm-hmm. s- skip a margin point In our little tipping comp But yeah mm-hmm. I, th- I mean I think so They're, They seem to be a little bit resurgent And like I really like the force I want them to have a good season I want them to be contending In and amongst the middle of the table there um, I don't hold out much hope For whichever team comes third In that playoff game So it doesn't really matter I'd, I'd probably like to see the force do well I think the Waratahs ship has already Sailed into the sunset and burnt Um <laughs> Burnt out for the year, so there's there's nothing to gain for them really, and at a at a kind of at a competition but level. I
0: just spun the narrative for them being the upset team.
1: I know, I know, but I, I still don't think like in, in terms of what I'd like to see. I think I, I think I'd like to see the Force keep the Waratahs and the Fair Rebels enough. in their box and, and make it through just for the fact they could say, "Look, we were better than half the competition yeah. in this year." So, uh, I, I would probably like the Force to win, but I want them to earn it too. I don't think it should just be a, a you know, and I feel good. Hey, hey, they got there. They've, they've. I want to see them play well. And they've been, yeah, on and off at times. So hopefully, I think it's got the, the bones of a good game. We just need these two teams to play in good form.
0: Force by five for me. Rebels, Brumbies. Do you hold any hope for the Rebels to hosting the Brumbies down at Amy Park? No. 10 points? More. 20 points?
1: I think I think the Brumbies are going to use this week, being that this is their last match and then they're on bye. This is their this is their you know, chuck the ball around our our finals. Um, Story is already kind of locked up. We know we know what we're going to have to do. This is going to be chucking the ball around. They might even who knows? I don't think they'd rest players because they've got a bye, and I think that just makes people rusty. But I think they're probably you know going to look to throw the ball around a bit and really. You know, show that they can crush a team. They need a good, solid win going into the final to really intimidate their opposition, whoever it is, because it could be the Rebels again. It's probably, you know, realistically, it's most likely it's the Rebels again. They're Mm -hmm. the ones coming third at the moment. So this game means a lot to them to put a heap of pressure on probably the team that meets them in that prelim final, uh, crush them at home while they're weak. I mean, I don't think it matters whether Tamu is around. They might be a better team if they have to put someone in at 10 after last week. That was a really inept performance from Tamu, personally, I think. It's the worst he's looked in a while, and that's a super rugby level.
0: Yeah, wow. And this is the guy that they're now um, struggling with the idea that he's potentially off contract, um, and they want to try and keep him around in the Rebels because he's um, one of their highlight players and he's a, a face that's well known around melbourne as well um so it's a face who doesn't response.
1: want to be seen on on free to air tv
0: really interesting wasn't it that he came out in that post match press conference and he said that he was glad that it wasn't on free to air it's yeah interesting probably forgive me yeah it's <laughs> interesting that he that, that that thought comes across for players that they're aware they know that of they're what they're at end- yeah of what an entertaining product is and they don't, and they want to put out an entertaining product. I mean, it's good that there's they're maybe as aware of that as um, some of the sort of media partners are in any case. Other things going along in the world, Top League continues to roll on. They're into the second portion and these teams are going to pull. Suntory again had an amazing win um, by a huge Martin. Bowden Barrett came off the bench for the last 18 minutes and managed to snag himself a hat-trick. Um, in the I think it was 80 something points um, the Suntory Goliath decided to score um, TJ Perinara for the Red Hurricanes again is is putting up some great performances and really making those Red Hurricanes relevant uh, in the other side of the conference they almost took down the Kerbel Kobe Steelers um, that features the likes of um, Brody Ritalik over there as well um, but couldn't quite make it but a massive step up for that franchise for them as well. Um, And they must enjoy be enjoying having a couple of these players there um, for this sort of singular season. That's sounding like going forward. Um, And then in the major league rugby LA Kiltinis are still smashing it. They took down my Toronto arrows, 43 to 16, um, despite the fact they didn't have uh, Harrison Goddard, I think at nine there, but Gita is still there and Adam Ashley Cooper at 13. Uh, still performing well with Dave Dennis um, in the row as well. Uh, Leo Yonola-Gold went down to the Gil-Gronies, the other cocktails, um, 15 to 18. So Houston Sabercats take down San Diego Legion by 2.34 to 32. Seattle Seawolves get their season a bit more back on track, 20 to 15, and another entertaining game from Atlanta um, Rugby Club and is it New York?
1: Rugby United.
0: Rugby United. Um, 27-17 in the end New York just pipped them Um, but again another entertaining game there so I mean it's it's absolutely great I highly recommend people check out at least a few of the highlights just follow them on Instagram at USMLR um, and you'll see a few of some of the impressive sort of performances come through you now have LA on top of um, the West Conference with three wins and no losses followed by the Austin Gilgronis. so these two new teams Um, uh, making headlines in their first season. Um, And in the East Conference, Atlanta and New York, uh, one and two up there as well, um, with Atlanta one game ahead of New York as well. So we're getting into the crux of that season and it's shaping up really well. So um, can't wait to see a little bit more of that next weekend. That's all from us for another week. Uh, We will have uh, the big man Toby joining us again. He'll can let us know how quarantine is going for him. Um, But excited to have you guys all back next weekend after a couple of big games this weekend. I still think Chiefs, Crusaders, that's going to be the highlight. That's what I'm going to be setting my alarm to make sure I'm in front of the couch and watching that game to see what the Chiefs can put up against a, a hurt Crusaders team. Uh, make sure you are following us on Instagram at Running Rugby Podcast or on Twitter at Running Rugby Pod and have subscribed to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, have a great weekend, boys. We'll see you next week. Keep on running.
1: Run.